When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another sad episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. I'm coming to you fresh off the Kawhi Leonard buzzer-beating jump shot to win the series. We got Chris and Lucas. What's going on, guys? Um, pretty rough over here. How about you guys? Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with this emotionally, to be honest with you. I'll be fine, though, throughout the podcast, I promise. Yeah, definitely not the way you want to lose. I mean, I guess it's initially it's not better than a blowout, but looking at it long term, it's probably better. But we knew Kawhi was going to come out and have a big game, and the Sixers. I I knew that it was going to be this game was going to be exactly like Game Two, uh, a physical defensive game, and it was. There was what was the score, thirteen to eighteen at the end of the first quarter, and. It's it was a dogfight throughout. Just Toronto came on top. Yeah, I think Kawhi was a lot better in the second half than the first half. Unfortunately, I think his efficiency went up a good bit, kind of late. Obviously, hit the big shot at the end. Um, but yeah, you got to give credit for the Sixers. They fought through a pretty rough start. Embiid couldn't get much going early, but he still stepped up late with some big shots himself. Played some pretty impressive defensive possessions. Um, this might have been Tobias's best game of the series jimmy hit the big shot late to tie it so there was still some positives all around um but yeah just a tough way to go out i'll tell you what guys you know what beat the sixers tonight it's a guy by the name of Serge Ibaka. yeah Kawhi leonard hit the final shot and he had 41 points but Serge Ibaka's his contributions off the bench killed the sixers he won six of ten from the field including three of five from three pointers 17 points he had the best plus minus of any Raptors with 22 points, uh, 22 plus 22, and I actually think that's best in the whole entire game. It was. Yep. He had four offense. Hang on. No, yeah, four offensive rebounds. This the Raptors went old school on us uh, defensively with three legit big players. You had Gasol who could anchor down uh, Joel, which we saw again for most of the game. Uh, as Chris pointed out, Joel got hot at the end, but too little, too late there. Siakam can defend threes. Ibaka can is versatile enough to defend, you know, for most fours in the NBA, and that includes uh, Tobias Harris or Ben Simmons, as we saw in this game. It was Serge Ibaka beat us. Like Kawhi might have taken the final shot to, you know, push the Raptors over, but Serge Ibaka's presence in this game 
was the reason why they won. Another big thing in the game was the last two minutes they had Tobias with five fouls and then Ben had five fouls for at least the majority of that fourth quarter. And so Kawhi was defended by Jimmy, who's probably the second best guy on our, on the Sixers to guard Kawhi. But Kawhi scored 13 of Toronto's last 15 points, including that game winner. And the thing that frustrated me throughout the game was the offensive rebounds for Toronto. They were above the Sixers 16 to five on offensive rebounds and Sixers ended up out rebounding them. But especially in that first half, it was a big disparity between the Sixers and the Raptors on the boards. And Kyle Lowry was dominating us on the offensive rebounds. He had two, he had two offensive rebounds, Kawhi had four. And then Serge Ibaka also had four. Kyle Lowry's just seemed to be very timely. And there's just multiple possessions where, the Raptors would grab two or three offensive rebounds to get up three shots. And the Raptors shot 24 more shots than the Sixers did, 65 compared to 89 for Toronto. And if you had told me that before the game, I would be like, it's definitely – I've heard uh, a wise man by the name of Rick Pitino. A lot of people don't like him. But he said if you don't watch a game and you see the stats after, look at field goal attempts, free throw comparisons, and rebounds. And – Toronto was made less free throws, but field goal attempts just killed us the second chance points. Yeah, Ibaka and Lowry both came up with a lot of really big momentum swinging plays for um, Toronto. I think they had 16 offensive boards to Philly's five, which just can't happen. The Sixers, in the games they've won this series, have really dominated Toronto on the boards. That's been a really big strength of theirs so for the Raptors to make that adjustment go with the big lineup that they use as much as they did it's a really smart move on Nick Nurse's part and it obviously paid dividends so uh, I'm looking at the box score right now and every single Raptor was in the minus except for Kyle Lowry was a plus two Ibaka was a plus 22 Van Vliet was a plus 10 and you look at the Sixers every single starter was um, in the plus, and then our bench, Mike Scott was minus 12, James Ennis was a minus 8, Greg Monroe was a minus 9. So that just shows that this six-year starting lineup is deadly and has dominated teams this year. It's just our our bench, even though the bench only played a total of uh, 27 minutes tonight, It's that was a big – I mean, our bench completely got outplayed by Ibaka. And even Van Vliet was over 5 in the field, but – did pretty well on defense. Yeah. Greg Monroe was a minus nine in under two minutes, which is pretty insane and just speaks to how valuable Embiid was this game and has been all series. Um, yeah. Like that one Monroe minute in the first half was just rough. And, uh, yeah, the bench didn't step up to that. I will criticize Rep Brown on the fact that I don't think you need defense. Greg Monroe's not do that. If you want a defense, I would go either Bolden or uh, Johnson, to be honest with you, as the backup center, because both are better options than Monroe is. I think Monroe and Boban are about the same defensively, just weaknesses in different areas. Uh, Boban's more susceptible in space, and uh, Greg's more susceptible as a rim protector. But honestly, I I think Bolden should have gotten his shot here. Defensively, he's versatile enough. You can run him for about 11 minutes. Now, that gives Embiid more time to rest. 
he make he doesn't make bad offensive mistakes. Yes, he makes a couple defensive rotational mistakes, but at the same time, he he can kind of get away with that because of his speed and athleticism. So I would have given Bolden over Monroe the nod here, but at the same time, I understand Brown's affinity to go to veterans over rookies and so. That would be that would have been my only critique uh, in rotation wise for Brett Brown. I mean, I think at this point it's more a roster construction issue than anything Brett could have done. I mean, he had to try to steal some Embiid minutes for rest, but the Sixers don't really have any good options at that point. Monroe has been the best one this series against Toronto, so I understand Brett going back to him. But uh, I don't think Bolden, Johnson, Monroe, or Boban are really positive. They've struggled when they've gone small as well, and especially with how dominant Toronto was on the offensive glass, I don't think it would have worked great this game. So, you know, it was really just they don't have anyone who can seriously back up and beat at this point. So Brown had to do what he could to get him beat some rest, but he doesn't have much to work with. 45 minutes for Embiid. Yeah, he had a big work. Forty-five there. minutes. That that big, the big man cannot run like that. Nobody, no, no player, especially with him being, you know, recovering from illnesses and not being properly conditioned because of the games he sat out at the end of the year. No wonder he shot thirty-three percent from the floor. Yeah. Another thing is, I thought tonight JJ actually had a very solid game. The Sixers as a team were, they shot 9 out of 27 from three. J.J. had four of those. And at the end, defensively, he's, he's usually not the best, but Danny Green has been an, a non-factor on offense this entire series. I mean, he had two points down on three shots. So, J.J. defended him pretty well. But just shout out to J.J. for a good game tonight and Tobias, both that solid games. I, and I think looking at this from free agency coming up this summer, there is no reason why Tobias or Jimmy should leave. If you look at this team, look at, I mean, the last two games, Ben Simmons only had five field goal attempts tonight, but it's only his second year in the league. And Joel Embiid's only 25 years old and still hasn't hit his peak yet. The only thing holding him back is his own health. Tobias Harris is only 26 years old. And Sixers can pay him $40 million more than anybody else. Same with Jimmy Butler. So, just and look at the dominance from this starter, this starting lineup this entire year. There's no reason why I'd say any of these guys should leave. This playoffs, the problem has been the bench. And James Ennis had been like pretty solid throughout these playoffs. He had six points in 14 minutes tonight. Mike Scott didn't really do much except for every time Mike Scott's in the game with Kawhi Leonard, the Raptors will get Mike Scott on that switch him onto Kawhi, and Kawhi will just torch him. And that happened again tonight, but. Just heartbreaking game. That's that's. I just can't get over. It. I don't really know what to feel right now. What to say? Yeah, I'm normally a pretty big advocate of players being able to make their own decisions. So, like, if Jimmy or Tobias have a non-basketball reason for wanting to leave, that's understandable. But strictly in basketball terms, I don't think there's anywhere that they could go where they'd have a better chance to compete for a title. I think the Sixers found, some, you know, figured some things out this postseason. Brett made some changes to the offense. And we really started to see things come together. And on the Sixers' end, there should be really no hesitance, I think, in offering Jimmy and Tobias max contracts. A five-year max for Tobias might seem a little bit much. And Jimmy's obviously on the older end of a, you know, he's 30-plus at this point. But 
the Sixers should want to have both those guys back, and I think this postseason really cemented that feeling for me. I kind of agree with Chris. I think money-wise, the smart choice would be to re-sign with the Sixers. When that comes down to it, Harris is obviously, uh, I believe, he, is he from New Jersey or Brooklyn? He's, He's from, from the York. upper He's area, and I can't. Thank you. So, so obviously, we hear rumors about Tobias going to you know the Nets, and maybe he wants to go there. Jimmy's from Texas, I believe. Maybe the uh, not not the Rockets, but the uh, Mavericks. I think might have a max slot. I'm not exactly sure on that. Uh, or they might he they might draw his interest. But I think overall, money wise, it makes sense for them to stay. They have a they have wit as long as well as long as Embiid's health stands. Uh, even if they don't, you still have Ben Simmons and. That's a good enough star to play around. Hopefully Simmons not develops, but finally gets the confidence in shooting jump shots that he has. Because I think he has it. I just don't think he's confident enough in even showing it in the game. So uh, so I hope that some of that's something that he works on. But I think even if Embiid's health doesn't hold, which you know we all hope that it does for a very long time, Harris and Butler still have a good reason to come back in the idea of Simmons. And they both seem to very like, much like Brett Brown. So hopefully that's it. On the management side, you know, you got to bring these back because you don't, you can't be for sure how big Embiid's window is. And you just gave up a lot of, you know, players and draft assets to get both these players. So there's no reason not to bring them back or else you just look very foolish as a front office if you don't offer them both the five-year max. Bench, uh, JJ, hopefully, I'm really hoping that JJ is willing to take the veteran minimum after getting paid very well over these past two seasons, but you never know. Uh, even if he takes a mid-level exception, that would be phenomenal for the Sixers. Um, I think... We have to see what Zaire develops into, but I think there's a chance he could. I would like to see Reddick coming off more of the bench next year because of his age and his lack of defense. But I think overall, you got to keep this core together. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And if Jimmy and Tobias want to get paid and they want to win, Philly's a no-brainer. And if you look at Toronto and Milwaukee, who are the two contenders in the East, along with Boston, uh, the, Chris Middleton is going to be a free agent this summer. Brooke Lopez is going to be a free agent. Malcolm Brogdon will be. And the only guys that have coming back are Giannis, George Hill, Eric Bledsoe on that new contract. Miritich is going to be a free agent. And then they have Connaughton and Sterling Brown coming back. And besides that, and Ersan Ilusova and DJ Wilson. But besides that, a lot of their guys are, their key guys are leaving. And then Toronto, the biggest boomer bus is if Kawhi is going to resign. There's a report earlier this week that within the Toronto Raptors organization that there an, they're very optimistic that Kawhi would resign. I still think he's going to go to the Clippers, but if Tobias and Jimmy both return, if Milton leaves the Bucks, and let's assume Kyrie leaves Boston, like he probably should, and the Bucks don't have a lot of guys coming back, and the Sixers team is probably the favorites in the East at that point. I think if the Raptors still lose in the Eastern Conference Finals, I still think Kawhi's gone. I don't think he stays unless they get to the NBA Finals. Simple as that. Because 
competing in the East Conference Finals, if I was Kawhi and the choice was going home or staying in another country, obviously I don't think I don't think the money's the issue for Kawhi. I think I think playing at home in Los Angeles is, and I think is if he doesn't get to the NBA Finals, he's not going to stay in Toronto. I could see him go to the finals and still leaving. Yeah. Kawhi is a tough guy to get a read on, obviously. I, I do think Toronto has shown that they cared about his health and they've taken an extra step to make sure he's healthy all season, which after the whole San Antonio debacle, debacle uh, you know, might mean something extra to him. But, yeah, it's kind of tough to get a read on where Kawhi is going to go at this point. I would like the Sixers to give Joel Embiid the Kawhi. Uh, treatment uh, next season when it comes to uh, load management, I that would do Joel Embiid a lot of good, a lot of good if they give him the Kawhi Leonard load management treatment. Yeah. And just going back to some stuff for the game, I think Jimmy started one of eight from the field. Embiid was six of eighteen total. Embiid was struggling again to find a shot. In the first half, he was settling for a lot of contested mid-range jumpers. Wasn't getting to his spots again. Marcus Hall, credit to him for defending Embiid incredibly well throughout this whole series. Embiid still put up 21 points, but that was on six of 18 shooting. 21 points on 18 shooting possessions isn't the most, isn't the best. And defensively, Embiid had a few good blocks. I, I thought Ben just. He was go- he was defending Kawhi really well. A lot of Kawhi's points in the fourth quarter was after Ben got that fifth foul while he was on Jimmy. And the entire game, you just saw Toronto running the pick and roll basically every single possession. It was Kawhi with the ball in his hands or Kyle Lowry running the pick and roll, running the pick and roll, running the pick and roll. And Toronto's strategy for Embiid is every time he touches the ball, they were double teaming him. And it just Embiid couldn't get to his spots. He couldn't get where he wanted to go. And I think teams are going to start using that in the future. But they're forcing Embiid to be a playmaker, just like the Sixers did to Kawhi last game, throwing tons of guys at him. Even third times where three guys were at Embiid, and he's crowded and had to throw the ball across the court. And he did, Embiid had four turnovers tonight. A few of those were off those double teams. And I just thought Nick Nurse made a lot of adjustments tonight and defended Embiid well. They're just – Butler didn't have the best game tonight. And – Butler, our two best players, I'd say, didn't have their best games in the series. And in Game 7, I know uh, Kawhi didn't have one of his best games, but 41 points is 41 points. And Jimmy at 16. And beat up and won. You need more. Yeah. And just shout out to Ben and Tobias, at least for um, showing up. I think there's been a lot of criticism for both those guys this series and questions about whether or not they're going to be able to step it up in big games. I think this was easily Tobias's most impactful game of the series and Ben really has stepped up the past couple games um, like you said the foul trouble kind of got to him late in this one but he still defended his tail off defended at a really high level and wasn't at his best and most aggressive on offense but still made an impact still had a few nice plays so I, I do think they should get um, some recognition for that uh, I, you know I, I just found an interesting stat for games one through six, the the team that had the better field goal percentage won. Game seven, that wasn't the case. The Sixers shot better this game. I think when it comes down to it, Tobias and Ben had efficient, and JJ had efficient nights shooting. 
but they didn't wow the box score. Ben still only had 13 points, eight rebounds, five assists, five turnovers. Tobias, you know, he had a double-double. I can't complain about that, but Tobias is shooting efficiently. I would like him to shoot a little bit more, maybe not as much as he did in game five, but they needed to run a little bit more offense through him because Embiid obviously didn't have it, and neither did Butler. I mean, I'm not... I'm not knocking them for being efficient. I'm not. Because being efficient against this Toronto team is very bad. But I wish... I just wish I, we could have gotten a little bit more out of both. Because even like an extra basket from each, you know, might have turned the tide of this game completely. Yeah, you could point to a, a hundred things on what their two points could come from. That Embiid Euro step... Um, one of those Jimmy Butler jump shots he had. Tobias had a few mid-range jump shots he could have knocked down. And Embiid had a bunch of shots from 14 feet that he's knocked down before they didn't knock down. It's just it's a game of makes and misses. And Toronto had the last one when they needed it. And I just I remember seeing that ball go up, and it was one of those classic things where that ball hits the rim the first time, and by the time the ball went in the basket, it felt like it was two minutes before that ball went in there, hit off the rim then hit the backboard and then hit the rim two or three more times and I just sat there and I had no words for it and just to get into I know people in the Slack have already started talking about it but to bring Brett back or to fire him and there's absolutely in this you look at this game you look at this series look at the playoffs you look at this season as a whole there is absolutely zero reason you fire Brett Brown and if people say you fire him, first off, like if you want to fire him, all right, well, who are you going to replace him with? Monty Williams has gone to Phoenix. Frank Vogel is one of the best guys left on the uh, market. He's going to L.A. And you'd say Ty Lue and maybe Stan Van Gundy are the two guys left. And I would sure as heck take Brett Brown over those guys. And Bede Simmons would definitely take Brett Brown over those guys. And this season as a whole – if you want to look at it, he had three different teams. He had the pre-Jimmy Butler team with Rocco and Dario. He had the post-Jimmy Butler team, and then he had the post-trade deadline team with Tobias. So he's coaching three teams. He's having to deal with Embiid's health all the time. And then you go to the playoffs. You have teams are shutting down Ben Simmons because he doesn't really have an effective jump shot. Embiid's health, he went from having gastroenteritis to having an upper respiratory infection, and then his his knee problems, him not playing every single game. And he made adjustments every single game in the net series. They lost the first game, and then they won four straight. And then this series, game after game, he was making adjustments. And tonight, tonight's game, boxing out, getting offensive rebounds, that's not on a coach. That last play where Kawhi hits the game winner, that was just a pick and roll. And B couldn't have defended that shot any better without fouling Kawhi. That's not on the coach. Making and missing shots isn't on the coach, obviously. And I thought Brett Brown came with a pretty good, a pretty solid game plan tonight. Just you don't expect Serge Ibaka to be the guy to put your team into the ground, which he did. He's the second leading scorer for Toronto with 17 points, made three threes. And you you, you can't put this on Brett if they do fire Brett. I think there's going to be – the majority of the Sixers fans are going to – be very very upset i would join in in a protest outside wells fargo center i don't know about you guys but brett brown should not be fired. <laughs> yeah i mean put it 
simply, if the Sixers fired Brett, he would immediately become, like, the most sought-after candidate on the market by a pretty sizable margin. Like, there's no one out there that a team would rather have than Brett right now, I think. I don't think there's an option on the Sixers staff. I don't think Jay Wright would be a better option. I know his name gets thrown out a lot. There's just no one out there that the Sixers should prefer over Brett. I think he coached really well this whole postseason, made some pretty impressive adjustments. Like you said, the Sixers have had a pretty historic amount of roster turnover this season, three different iterations. He's continued to build a really solid culture in the locker room. I I think the Sixers should be 100% sold on bringing Brett back at this point. No no question about it. Well, I would hope that uh, Sixers ownership and management do not make, make the fan base as mad as they did, as the Lakers ownership and management did in uh, in L.A., obviously. And I, you know, obviously protests for Brett Brown being fired would be more than justified, in my opinion. Well, I'm going to say this. <laughs> Jokingly, uh, one of our affiliates, uh, the Beale Street Bears uh, Twitter page, has already reached out and asked if if Brett was available. Uh, but let, let's be clear: I don't think Brett Brown should lose his job. As you guys, you guys have already stated very good points. I think he's made plenty of adjustments in this series and in both series. I think the only thing that you can, you know, really put on Brett Brown this season that he could have done better is maybe, you know encourage Ben more to shoot three-pointers, but he's been vocal about that. He's been trying to, and then maybe manage Embiid's minutes more. But beyond that, you can't really blame him on trying to, you know, figure out which rotations work, you know, getting team chemistry built, which I think there was a lot built during the playoffs. He's connected with both Butler, and even though Butler and him apparently had a quote-unquote squabble in the film room, I I don't put as much stock into that as... The rest of the media did. I think that was just more Jimmy asking questions. Uh, but I, I'll say this. I think him, Butler, and Harris have all made good connections. I, I think if you fire Brett Brown, it could hurt you in free agency with Butler and Harris. And I think that would be a very bad move by Elton Brand and management. But I was looking at the slack, and one of, one of the things is, like, who is going to replace Brett? Like I said earlier, Van Gundy or Ty Lue might be the best replacement on the open coach market. And your argument is there's a lot of the coaching free agency market is a lot different than the player free agency market in that a lot of the coaches that are qualified guys we don't know about. But when you look at the Sixers team, that point may be true. But with this team specifically, you cannot apply that because let's assume Jimmy and Tobias come back, you don't put a first-time head coach on a team that has finals implications. You don't put he, – he's not qualified, nor should he have that pressure in a first year as a head coach. And you don't want a first-year head coach getting thrown with all the star power having – let's assume our five starters come back. A first-time head coach, that's a lot of pressure for him, and he's not qualified to do so. And Brett Brown has already had a taste of this. All the guys love Brown. They said they've loved Brett Brown a lot. Brett Brown's dealt with Jimmy pretty well throughout this year. And yes, there could be guys out there that are qualified. Brett Brown already has experience with this team, has experience with the players. He's set a really good culture. And we've seen that he can make adjustments in the playoffs without a bench. And you look at the Raptors or the Bucks, any teams that are left in the playoffs right now, minus the Warriors because they have five all-stars. The Sixers bench is definitely the worst, and people have said all year we might have a bottom five bench still at this point. So don't fire Brett Brown. It's 
Josh Harris, I know you're a smart man. Or Elton Brand, you're a smart man. They know what to do. Financially, it wouldn't make uh, much sense for them to do either because they just – I know Adrian Wojnarowski said that the extension that Browns uh, signed at the end of last postseason wouldn't protect him, but that's a lot of money to leave on the table and pay Breck Brown and then come in and pay another head coach. I don't think I don't think management would want to do that. Plus, pay the salary tax, uh, luxury tax, to bring back Harrison Butler and JJ. I don't think so. I think that would be an unwise financial move as well for ownership. That that Woj report said that Brett Brown's job would be at risk if they lost Game Seven. You don't put one game to decide a coach's future. You don't, especially tonight's game. That one shot. So you're gonna put that Kawhi game winner on Brett Brown. You're gonna be like, all right, you're done after that. That's that's just not how it works. And that report I think was might have people said it might have gotten leaked from inside of the Sixers organization to get the players to play hard. I don't believe that, but you don't put one game on a coach. That's not fair and it's not well, logical. Well, you got you got to. Well, you got to remember, too, that back in February, Elton Brand did say Eastern Conference Finals would be our, our goal. And though I agree with you that, um, that you know, you can't put this series on Brett Brown. Which he made the proper adjustments from game to game. He got them to, you know, and it was just a, it was just a fantastic and lucky shot by Kawhi Leonard that, you know, because we were looking at overtime and anything can happen in overtime. But, you know. I don't think you put that shot on. Um, I don't think you put this playoff disappointment on Brett Brown completely. I don't think so. I think I think the roster turnover and just the overall lack of depth probably was the reason why we couldn't advance anymore. Which I guess I have a question for you guys. If looking at our bench, I believe both Mike Scott and James Ennis. I'm not sure Ennis has a player option or not, but I I believe they're both set to be free agents this summer or. It's, I'm not exactly sure Ennis's uh, 1.8 million dollar uh, option. His, uh, which, okay, so yeah, he's probably going to opt out of that because he could probably get more money on the free art market. So I guess my question is for you guys then, who would you rather bring back if you can only bring back one? That's a good question. Um, I know Mike Scott's 30 and James Ennis is 28. I'd say... I mean, I, so earlier I went and did a bunch of salary cap stuff. So if you pay Tobias, you pay Jimmy the max. Let's assume JJ has – let's say we give JJ the $9.2 million um, non-taxpayer MLE. You have $17 million left on your roster to pay, I want to say, seven players. I'm not sure Mike Scott or Ennis are – I know Ennis is – Ennis' stock has risen a lot through these playoffs. I think there's going to be a team that's going to pay him. I think Ennis walks, and I think Mike Scott comes back on a cheap deal. I'd rather have Mike Scott back. Um, no, I'd not rather have him back. I think he comes back because I think Ennis is – a team's going to throw money at Ennis. And Scott will too as well. Yeah, I don't think either one is really a long-term guy at this point, but I, I do think Ennis will have more valuable more, more value on the open market just because of his position. And obviously the Sixers need two-way wings. But, uh, yeah, if I had to pick which one was more likely to come back, I think it would definitely be Scott, especially with just how much the city has embraced him. I think he would—he really wants to come back at this point. 
Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Scott would be probably the more likely to come back. Though I think position-wise and what Ennis brings to the table, I think you can for Scott. Heck, that might be Jonah Bolden next year for all we know. Well, maybe Bolden develops a better three-point shot and becomes even more versatile defensively than Scott is right now. I think position-wise you would want Ennis back, but I think culture and you know just natural fit in the roster, Scott, Scott Mix is the more obvious choice. Uh, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that too, and I do think, like like Chris said, the fans of Philadelphia have embraced Mike Scott fully. And just another point, you could put this towards defending Brett Brown, but Joel Embiid, your best player on the Sixers throughout this whole playoffs, if your your best player isn't on top of his game. Joel Embiid was our best player and didn't play like our best player. Jimmy Butler was the best player throughout the playoffs. And Embiid was, I mean, just being brutally honest, Embiid was not good this series on offense. And he was hurt. I know he's hurt a lot, but Embiid did not play his best basketball when it mattered. And that's big, and you can't really put that on Brett Brown. There's one thing. I, I think, like Lucas has said in past podcasts, that I think Embiid should be on a minutes restriction and I think NBA should be on a mint restriction and maybe not play back-to-backs for a long time. And MB was playing 35 minutes per game and playing back-to-bats for a lot of the part of the year. And I wrote an article about that. And these playoffs, this series, last five games, 21 points, 17 points, 13 points, 11 points. And then he had that game three where he had 33. But that's... I don't know. Not good. I would say, I think, even with Embiid's offensive struggles this series, that it was pretty evident that he's still the Sixers' most important player and their most impactful player in a lot of ways. You see that with the plus-minus, obviously, along with just how important his presence is on defense. And I think the narrative around him these next few days is probably going to get pretty twisted. You know, he got a lot of criticism for you know, texting Brett Brown that he was sick, you know, earlier in the series and all that stuff. I don't think it's, you know, an issue of if he wants to win or if he has the desire to win. I think it shows a lot that he played through sickness to the degree that he did and the knee issues that he's dealt with. He played 45 minutes tonight. You saw that he was really emotional after the game. I think Embiid showed a lot of heart this series going through what he went through. And I just think he deserves a ton of credit still. Obviously, he needs to make some improvements um, in future series, but um, yeah, I don't. I think the narrative is going to go in a direction that it shouldn't go, and I, I just wanted to point that out. Well, I, I am going to take a little bit of a different approach here because I think this this series, especially for Embiid, has showed us a few things about the big man. One, he needs to be more careful about what he puts into his body because, you know, getting at he's gotten, you know, the stomach bug throughout the season. He's he's a little bit – he's not overweight, obviously. The guy's chiseled, but I think his frame is a little bit too big, right? His weight is a little bit too big for his frame right now, and I think he, maybe he needs to uh, slim down. Uh, you know, I saw a, video, a picture on Twitter that he was eating, like, four uh, – burgers from not well not burgers but chicken patties from like um what was it chick-fil-a 
Like, he needs to take better care of his body overall. I think that's an issue there. I think another issue is that this playoffs, uh, that in, in this era of NBA playoffs, big men, especially by good defensive teams like the Toronto Raptors, granted they are the best, one of the best defensive teams in the whole entire NBA, that big men can be neutralized. And I think this shows us that while MB needs to get better, and, you know, obviously, like Chris said, he's got a few adjustments to become a better passer out of the double team. I think that's something he needs to work with his trainer, Drew Hanlon, during summer. I think also this is a wake-up call for uh, Ben Simmons. Now, we're not saying that Ben Simmons is a bad player. You know, he's a very efficient scorer. Sometimes he struggles with turnovers, but, you know, he's a solid passer, rebounder, defender. He did a great job defending Kawhi, this, you know, the best as anybody could defending Kawhi, except for maybe Giannis Antetokounmpo. We'll see that next round. But I think Ben to finally implement that jump shot that he's been working on since you know that rookie year that he missed, you know, with a broken foot. I think this has to be the summer that Ben Simmons has to get his jump shot in order, get his house in order when it comes to his mental process with his jump shot. Because the Sixers won't get past, get get much further, even if Embiid plays well. Let's be real; we weren't facing the Bucks. It was going to be a tall order. You know, well, you know, he played okay for most of the series, but he's an All Star. He only played like an All Star in maybe one of these games, and that's because he attacked the offense, and Toronto wasn't ready for that. Uh, Toronto adjusted this game. He only got one offensive rebound. And Ben Simmons, you're you made Joel Embiid can't do it by himself. Teams are going to double team him every single time. He he has to improve, but he, he Ben Simmons needs to improve. That, that, that is my biggest takeaway because Joel can't do it all by himself. Jimmy's getting older. Tobias Harris is more of a second or third option, probably a fourth option on this team. So you don't expect him to get twenty points in and out during the playoffs. This this falls on Ben is supposed to be, you know, the franchise cornerstone along with Embiid. Ben Simmons played almost almost, I'm not gonna say quite, because his defense was all star level, but his was more of a role player's level and he needs to improve this this summer. Yeah. I I don't I don't think it's really fair to blame Embiid's sickness on what he's eating. I think I saw a report the other day where it seems like Embiid has cut a lot of the those fast food things out of his diet for a while now. I think I think sickness is just, you know, it just happens. I don't think we can quite make that connection. So I, I think it does show a great deal of heart on Embiid's part to just fight through that stuff. But yeah, I do think he's making a concerted effort to get into better shape. Um, and with Ben, like you said, I, I do think he's going to have to work on some things this offseason. No doubt about it. Yeah, I think you could point to any guy on the Sixers of things they could work on. I mean, Jimmy's three-pointers, Tobias's playmaking and ball-handling ability, Ben Simmons' jump shot, J.J. Reddick's defense. I mean, there's something for everyone. And Embiid, it's, it's definitely his durability because the best ability is availability, and he struggled with that a lot. Medi- like medicine and every, all that kind of stuff nutrition health is the, it's so advanced now that i do think Embiid's going to get a grip on a lot of things and i think after seeing Embiid's play this year it's going to be taken a lot more serious now and Embiid's body he's probably i mean lebron puts what 
I think I saw a thing. It's it's millions of dollars LeBron puts into his body every single year, and I definitely think Embiid's going to start doing that because he is only 25 years old. So, but just going back to that game tonight, the Sixers didn't get their first lead in the game until what it was late in the second quarter, and then they got that lead late in the third, and the Sixers completely outshot the Raptors in the second half. Just Kawhi just kept going and kept scoring. And there's one thing I want to bring up as well is those three possessions in a row with the shot clock violation or heaving up that ball. I want to say that was with two and a half minutes. I want to say from four to two and a half minutes left in the game when the score was within two or three points. And the Sixers had five minutes during or four minutes through that span where they didn't score a single point. So just down the stretch tonight, Jimmy didn't have his best game. Jimmy was hobbling around with – he twisted his foot in that one – that one play where he got screened by, I want to say it was uh, Pascal Siakam, and he, he hurt was, his knee. Yeah. And then J.J. Braddock also was limping around as well. So not an excuse, just some bad breaks. And you can't defend that Kawhi shot any, any better. And if they did go into overtime, Ben and Tobias both had five fouls. So that extra five minutes would not have favored the Sixers well, so – Credit to Jimmy, though, missed that free throw, came back and made that layup on Serge Ibaka. And I'm also – a lot of people were, I saw were complaining about the refs on Twitter. Uh, it's – I'm not going to put the outcome mm-hmm. of the game on refs. You can make shots to make up for that. Refs mm-hmm. don't decide the outcome of games. I'm, I've am i always been on that. Don't don't blame the refs. That's soft. That's Jared Dudley soft. They, they held the whistle. They, 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 yeah. No, I think – I think the refs let the players play for the most part because it was a beyond physical game. I don't think most game. I think in most games like that, you would have had multiple players foul out. But this is game seven. The refs let them play through most of it. I think Harris and Ben just got a couple bad breaks. I mean, uh, when it comes to whistles being blown, but I think, I mean, we can't even make excuse about injuries because, um, Kyle Lowry, yeah, both of his hands were hurting. So, but he was still getting offensive rebounds in the crowd. So, you know, injuries will be injuries there. I think, I think it was just Kawhi Leonard being arguably. I don't know if I would say he's. I think right now he's better than LeBron because LeBron's not in the playoffs. I don't know if I would put him over Kevin Durant, but gosh, it is a close race between those two right now. Definitely top four, LeBron, KD, Giannis, and Kawhi. And there's not a guy that's in that group. James Harden's definitely not in that group. Um, no. Just, I mean, I know he had 35 points last night, but winners win. Kawhi won. So, yeah. I, I'm, I am James Harden excited was for the best offensive player. He was the best. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conference finals, Eastern Conference finals, because it's going to be two teams – that are top heavy with Giannis on the Bucks mm-hmm. and Kawhi on the Raptors, but this Bucks team is hot right mm-hmm. now, and they can beat Celtics in five games. I know the Raptors could beat Celtics in five games. The Sixers, I don't know if the Sixers would have beat the Celtics. So um, I think Bucks in six, but that's more mental in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think. If we don't beat the Celtics, it's mental. And it's more of yeah. the Celtics thinking that they they have the Sixers number than it is 
the Sixers. You know, I think that's a mental thing because I think talent wise, we should out win, we should win against the Celtics. But yeah. um, I think looking towards that and getting off the Sixers for a second, if I was Milwaukee, I put Giannis on Kawhi. Make you know that I think Giannis can. I think Giannis would, is the best defender to put on Kawhi in the whole entire NBA. I think so. I think he's better than Ben because he's bigger than Ben. As simple as that. He has a bigger wingspan. He's taller, you know. I think, and he's more experienced. I think uh, for the for the Raptors, I would put. I'd almost start Serge Ibaka over Gasol in that series. Have Serge guard um, Giannis because I don't think Kawhi's big enough at least lengthwise, to bother or strong enough to bother Giannis. I think Serge would be the best option because Gasol's not quick enough. Yeah, that's going to be a fun matchup. Kawhi and Giannis, that would be definitely something to look at. But I think Milwaukee is a whole lot deeper than Toronto is. So it'll it'll be a fun matchup. I, I think, I mean, if you throw Siakam on Giannis, it's, that's not going to work. Giannis is a whole lot stronger than Kawhi. I mean, you've, you've seen Giannis overpower Joel Embiid at times. So that's definitely going to be very, very fun. So things to look forward to. All right. Is that it? We good? Well, it was a good season, guys. It was a good season. Yeah, it was. I mean, I wouldn't have – if you told me at the beginning of this year that you'd have Jimmy, Tobias, and – uh, I mean, Boban, just fun, just fun guy. But if you told me you had those two guys at the beginning of the year, I would have been impressed. And honestly, this, we were talking about this in the Slack the other day. The Sixer team that started this year, they might have been a six seed in the East. There's yeah. no way that team would have gone six games with the, or seven games with the Raptors. That would have been a five-game series, maybe yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I don't I even know if that team beats the Nets in the first round. I don't think so, yeah. Yeah, I think this team is pretty considerably better than the way we started. Appreciate you guys listening to this latest episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. We'll get back to you online at thesixersense.com and at Sixersense on Twitter with draft profiles, off-season, free agency, all that kind of stuff. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.